I read a story printed in Our Daily Bread. Story of a young man who was waiting at a train station in Atlanta, Georgia. He was wearing dress pants and a button-up shirt. There, while he was sitting on a bench, he was struggling to tie his necktie. Uh, uh, some of you might understand that struggle. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't like wearing them. <laughs> I really don't. They're, uh, they're constricting. But there are occasions when we need to wear them. Uh, while he was struggling with this necktie, there was an older lady. Just, she noticed what was going on with him and she turned to her husband and asked her husband to help this young man. So the elderly man leaned over and he began teaching this young man how to properly tie his necktie. What they didn't recognize was right from them was a young woman who was taking a photo of how this stranger helped this young man while his wife was looking on. When the, the photo she posted on social media and it went viral. And many viewers left many comments about the power of random acts of kindness. For believers in Jesus Christ, kindness to others reflects the self-sacrificing care that he showed toward people like you, people like me. It's an expression of God's love and what he desires his disciples uh, or how he desires his disciples to live out their lives. We should love one another. 1 John 3 and verses 11 through 15, John equates hating one another with murder. In verse 16, John begins to share how we should follow Christ's example of love in that how he laid down his own life for us. I guess the question for us today is when we look around, do we see opportunities to display kindness, care, and love in ways that reflect our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Now, I, I don't know whether you do or not. You don't know whether I do or not. It's a question we have to ask ourselves because truth is God knows we're not catching him by surprise he knows when we look here in this passage in verses 23 through 34 the bible here's the institution of the lord's supper it says for i received from the lord that which i also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that he may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest I will set in order when I come. This is God's holy word. God, we thank you for your word today and what it means to us. God, we thank you for this blessed occasion in which we can humbly come to your table and partake of your bread and your cup. So, God, we pray that you would speak to our hearts for the remainder of this service, that, God, whatever we do would glorify your name, that would glorify you, magnify the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And, God, as we do this, we will give you praise for all that's accomplished. Today, God, through this brief message, speak to the hearts of those who may not know you through Jesus Christ, who may not have a relationship with you through your son. Help them, God, to see today that today, They can call out, what must I do to be saved? And you are faithful and just to forgive them of their sins and cleanse them from all unrighteousness if they will believe upon the name of Jesus. God, have your way, and we'll praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, we've shared on multiple occasions that there are two ordinances that the Baptist church recognizes Two ordinances that we believe that that Jesus instituted or established for the church. One being the ordinance of baptism. And this is where we testify to the world. We get hung up on whether someone has professed it to us vocally. But that's not how in the first century church that that people knew that others were saved. They, They come to know that people were saved through baptism when they witness baptism it meant that that people were risking their lives that they were willing to say that i'm identified with christ no matter what befalls me baptism is an ordinance that jesus established for the church to continue in for it identifies us to him but also the lord's supper identifies us to him the lord's supper gives us an opportunity to grow spiritually in the lord but only if we come to the supper correctly you know this was a problem for the church in corinth that's why paul is given such detailed instructions here in the text it was due to their sinful behavior when observing the lord's supper that paul writes this and and he shares with them that god is disciplining you because of the corrupted corruptive way in which you approach his table paul shared that because of their sin 
when approaching the table or approaching it in an unworthy manner, some were weak, some were sick, and some just simply died. So the question must be, how do we approach the table worthy? Well, in January, we shared that we could approach the table in a worthy manner by looking back. And what that tells us is to look back at what Jesus has done for us and to remember all that he risked, all that he gave up, all that he went through for us. Just imagine if he had not have done those things. If he had not have left the splendor of heaven and come to this world full of flesh in the likeness of man and gave his life for us. Had he not lived the sinless life on earth and died the sinner's death, what sacrifice would God have received worthy to bring us to him? What substitute would there have been? I wouldn't have been the substitute. I haven't lived a sinless life, and neither have you. And contrary to popular opinion among some clergy, neither have they. There's not a man walking the face of the earth today or has ever walked outside of Jesus Christ that lived worthy to die for man. The greatest act of love was demonstrated in that Jesus, who lived this sinless and perfect life that we couldn't live, took upon our sin and died the death that we deserve. We should always look back to that. But if we're going to approach this table worthy, we can't just look back. We also must look around. As we look there as focus today on verses 33 and 34, where the Bible says, Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest I will set in order when I come. He's speaking here of fellowship time. He's speaking here of communion. As a matter of fact, there are those who will call the Lord's Supper communion. The word communion, it's simply, it's an action word that means to fellowship with one another. And we've, we've shared this over time that, that fellowship is a Christian word and it's when Christians come together for a meal or for a time of, of discussing um, gospel conversations. Without the gospel in the midst of the conversation, it's just socializing. But when the gospel is in the midst of the conversation, it becomes fellowship. The word communion, it means to participate in, to share together, to have in common. And Paul is stressing to them here in these verses that they are to come together, not do things in sects or in groups or in cliques which was what was taking place in the Corinthian church. The wealthy was not waiting or not desiring to socialize or to fellowship with those who were poor and who had to work. And so they were coming together to eat a meal. And when they come together to eat the meal, instead of waiting on everyone, they ate all they wanted. They drank all they wanted till they were drunk. And, and when those who had to work and, and they were coming in late, there was nothing for them or no one for them to socialize with. 
And they said they were coming to the Lord's table. Well, we must look around. When we observe the Lord's Supper, we must keep in memory the Lord's death and we keep it alive. But communion or the Lord's Supper is is more than that. Observing the Lord's Supper is to enter into the presence of the one who lived, died, and raised, uh, and was raised from the dead by the power of God. And he now lives forevermore. And his presence, he is present with us here as we are preparing our hearts to participate in this supper. Now, when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, he wanted to have a time of communion with his disciples. He wanted them to often think of him and now Jesus desires communion with us as we are as we come to this table today we're participating in and agreeing that we are part of Jesus and he is part of us and folks we are to fellowship with other believers as a matter of fact we are a fellowship of believers and as we come to the Lord's table we come to commune with him we come understanding that that our relationship with Christ is to be reflected in our relationship with each other our faith in Christ is viewed as we look around us and see the, uh, with our heart as we seek to do God's will let me illustrate this for us when I was when I was near the end of my time in in divinity school I needed a one-hour class just a one-hour class to finish the degree and one of the two guys I spent time with in school, we, he convinced me to take this spiritual retreat. So this spiritual retreat would give you one hour's credit. So in this class, we would meet at a camp on Friday. And it would be Saturday evening when we were, or Saturday afternoon, late afternoon when we got, when we were able to, to go home. We would be, we would be prepared for that that Friday night of playing games and and they had so we had gospel conversations in a way to where we all got to really know one another but on Saturday morning things were a little different Saturday morning we were given after we were up washed we were awake we had breakfast we had devotion we went they told us to go outside for about 45 minutes wander around and find a life lesson (laughs) now if you know me you know this isn't something that's in my wheelhouse I'm I'm way out of my comfort zone at this point it's not just easy for me to look around and see things y'all know I prepare (laughs) I don't I don't like things just done at spare the moment I don't like things done on a whim because God didn't create this world on a whim it is too it is too complex to be created on a whim he didn't create our bodies on a whim they are too complex to create on a whim but he took time he took time and spoke and with us he took time and carved us so it wasn't an easy thing for me to just walk outside and see what a life lesson would be but I did anyway and as I was getting frustrated I just began to pray And it's as if God spoke with an audible voice as I was walking on this path around this pond, you know, looking for snakes for one, but I was walking around this path. And walking around this path, I, 
I noticed something, and it's like God speaking to me, watch your step. Watch your step. And I started noticing everywhere I took a step, there seemed to be roots from trees and branches and other things that were growing up. And, and it, just, it, it just spoke to me that if I'm not careful to keep my eyes open and aware of my surroundings, then it's easy for the enemy, you know, the devil, you, you know, Satan. It's easy for him to just trip us up. It's easy to just stumble and fall if we don't have our eyes open and are aware of our surroundings. And by stumbling and falling, we miss all that God has in store for us. My question is this. When we look around, what do we see? When we are aware of our surroundings, what are we seeing? Do we see things that have been put in our path to cause us to stumble? And what I mean by this is when you look at people, what do you see? Do you see them with a heart that longs to be in communion with God or do you, and to be in his will or do you see with your eyes? When we look at people who struggle with addiction, do we see someone who's thrown their life away as if it couldn't happen to us? Or do we see someone who God loves and if not for the grace of God, that's where we would be? When we see someone homeless, do we see someone who squandered their possessions as if we're too smart to do that? Or do we see someone who may have fought in a war and because of what he was exposed to, it's affected him in such a way that we can't understand. Or someone has lost their family to a tragic accident and they just have trouble getting past it. Or someone who hasn't been properly diagnosed and doesn't know where to turn for help. Maybe God's allowing us to see to the point that we open up our heart and not just view them with our eyes. Because we may know the proper resources that can help them physically so that they can be helped spiritually. And the only spiritual help for them is Jesus Christ. When we see people down on their luck, do we see them as someone just wanting a handout? Or do we see some, the opportunity because God has blessed us that we can be a blessing? Oh, let me throw this in. I'm going to give you this for free. It's not my notes. That's what I mean by that. I'm not charging you for preaching. I'm just going to give you this. <laughs> there are those who God has blessed to be wealthy. And God chose to do that. But he did it for a purpose, to help those who need help. If he's blessed us, he's blessed us so that we'll be a blessing to others. He's not blessed us so that we hoard it up to, for ourselves. He's blessed us to be an example of his goodness and grace. You know, I wonder, when we see someone hurting, 
Do we see someone who should have known better? Or do we see with our hearts? And do we seek ways to comfort, encourage, and to strengthen them? As a church family, we are to be the spiritual physicians in this world that God uses to help those who are broken to become healed. We were once broken, weren't we? We were once lame. We were once blind. We were once deaf. We were once lost. But Jesus found us. He opened our eyes, fixed our talk, and fixed our walk. And now we've been healed because when we stand before the Lord, we'll stand in his righteousness. And we'll hear him say, well done. If we know Jesus as Lord and say, I wonder, do we see with our eyes or do we see with a heart that longs for Jesus? Matthew 25 verses 31 through 46 say this. Listen, let these words speak to you. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, when he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as shepherds divide his sheep or as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. He will set the sheep on the right hand but the goats on the left. And when the king... Then the king will say to those on the right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will say to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in, in a prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Michael W. Smith recorded, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. To see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy. Let that be our testimony. Open 
the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. For I want to see you. I want to see you. Church, Jesus left the splendor of heaven to come to this sin-cursed world. He took upon himself our sins so that we could receive his righteousness. And if we are going to take on his righteousness, shouldn't we open the eyes of our heart so that we can see what's around us in, in the same light that Jesus sees it? Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I, I want you to know how he sees you. He sees you with a heart of love. You are precious in his sight. You, you are so loved that he left glory. The glory of heaven to come to this world filled with sin putting on flesh and coming in the likeness of man. He lived, as, uh, he, lived, he lived the life that sin prevents you and I to live. And he died the death that our sin demands that we die. He lived and he died in your place so that you can live with him forevermore. And if you believe Jesus died for your sin and rose on the third day for your victory, why not today you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And today you will be welcomed to this table.